Welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications and Advocacy with NCBI. Um, and today I have the pleasure of having a chat with Claire Shorten from uh, County Dublin. So thank you very much, Claire, for having a, a chat with me. Welcome Thanks aboard. Um, and I suppose for the benefit of, of our listeners, we uh, I know you are a qualified secondary school teacher and um, that you're presently looking for employment um, and living in Dublin. But is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners about yourself? Um, I suppose, um, yeah, I'm 31. So I was qualified as a secondary school teacher in 2019. Unfortunately, still haven't gotten um, a job just yet. Um, I lost my eyesight in 2011 when I was 20 years of age. So there's a big change in that. And I thought, no way am I going to be a teacher again. And I joined NCBI, their training centre, and they were like, yes, you can. So I went to Maynooth University and was able to do geography and history, which was I was delighted about. Brilliant. And how did you find the whole college experience? Oh, my God, it was um, absolutely brilliant. I went to Maynooth University and they have a great um, access programme for people with disabilities, any kind of learning difficulties. Um, people from disadvantaged areas or mature students and they just gave you absolutely everything you needed any accommodations you needed and um, I got personal assistance I got any technology um, that I needed so that was absolutely brilliant you know yeah so I had a great really great time in Manute. And tell us obviously if you mentioned there you um, lost uh, most of your sight when you were age 20 so prior to that you would have been a, a student as well um, so was there much of a, a difference between being a sighted student in the in the school system and someone with a vision impairment in the third level system? Um, well, yeah, I suppose, like, I suppose to me when I had my eyesight, I was in Maynooth and um, a little bit more independent, you know. Um, but by that, I, as I said, when I had my um, personal assistance with me, I had friends and stuff, made loads of great friends and everything like that to help me when I needed help. Um, other than that, like when it came to um, doing the college work, you know, I had JAWS, the screen reader on my laptop. I But the PA would be my note taker for my lectures. Yes. Um, the lectures, the, sorry, all of them were actually just absolutely brilliant. And um, we had like, you know, meetings every so often just to make sure that I was getting on okay that their material or whatnot was accessible. Um, for exams, then I had my own room with an individualator, um, which I would have not done before. So before when I had my eyesight, you'd be in a huge massive rooms for doing exams. And you're looking at everyone, they're writing way more than you are, and you're like, what, what, what? And um, <laughs> when you're in your own room, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You have to be quiet and you're not as... So there's actually some positives to being... Um, um, a, a blind person or a person with a disability in college as well um so yeah I don't think so I think I think everything went quite well do you know what I mean there was no kind of um delays or kickbacks or anything like that you know knockbacks from being a blind person I think maybe the social life at the start um because obviously college is as much the social life is as much important you know, the first couple of weeks before you do kind of make new friends and, and meet yeah. people, it's hard to kind of, you know, 
go independently and stuff at night time and whatnot. But um, eventually that was very quickly overcome, you know. Yeah. And it, it tells about your, your work experience, because obviously that's a, a core component of teacher training. Um, did you thrive in that environment and did you feel that this is definitely what I want to do? Uh, absolutely. Um, I wanted to be, t- originally I remember in fifth year I wanted to be an architect or a civil engineer. My mum was talking to me and we started talking more about it. And I realised I was actually naturally meant to be a teacher because I was always loved school and loved helping people with homework or studying and anything like that. I was just a natural thing for me, you know. So when I thought when I first lost my eyes, I thought, well, there goes teaching. Then um, the guys in the training centre gave me hope again. Then I knew the university when I had a meeting with them. the geography, the head of the department for geography, and she goes to me, Claire, you work with us, we'll work with you. Again, just delighted. Um, so I'm extremely passionate about my subjects without a shadow of a doubt, but I'm just as, if not more, passionate about helping um, kids, teenagers, do you know, get through. Yeah. So when I started my work experience, so you're in two different schools each year, so one school one year and one school the next year with the professional masters of education and I remember the first day June I went into the, my first school which is St Mary's so I love St Mary's Um, I remember nearly crying because I was just overwhelmed with the joy oh okay. being there you know and I remember my PA was like oh my god oh my god like I'm finally here and I absolutely loved teaching but I said every day I just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it there was a lot of, um, oh, what would you call it? like things that I needed to um, develop, to change, to alternate, you know, as I kind of progressed through my experience of teaching. But like it yeah. was just feeling great and there was just nothing better than you go into the classroom and the kids go, I'm a short or whatever, you know. Yeah, just absolutely, just even talking about it now, just love it. And even though I haven't been in school in the last three years, I'm constantly updating lessons and topics and dreaming about the day I'll get back into the classroom. Yeah. Yeah, your passion is very, very evident. It's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And do you think from a a school setting perspective that some schools, as you know, have moved on to working purely off iPads, others are still back on uh, using textbooks. Would that make a difference to you, either from a a teaching plan preparation or um, a your teaching style, um, given uh, how how you would manage the classroom? Yeah, well, say, for instance, now, initially, I didn't have anyone but myself in the classroom, like, bar obviously the students. So, initially, eventually, I did start bringing my personal assistant in with me, into the classroom to be my eyes. Yeah. Um, and... What I think is, I don't mind either or text material textbook or the iPad. It's up to the kids, you know. Um, again, kids, they are teenagers. But anyway, um, it's completely up to what what format the students want more so than what I want, and I can make myself learn. You know, how, how, how what form suits them. Um, so it really doesn't matter. Like for instance, if I have a personal assistant, personal assistant can read out to me their homework, written homework, or the kids can email it to me. You know, it depends on what the students want, because at the end of the day, it's their 
education. You need to adapt around them. Yeah, they don't around me, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's just interesting how some schools have made that transition to everything online learning and others um, are, are still in textbooks. And uh, I suppose it's and, just down to the school. Yeah, and it's down to the school. It's also down to the school, the resources the school have. So yeah. some schools may be able to afford iPads, but I think it could be a little bit of both. It should be a bit of both. Kids should still know, students should still know how to read a physical book. Um, and then they shouldn't be on the iPads or computers all day long because what are we talking about here, being blind or vision impaired? Their eyes might go all googly, do you know? Yeah, they're looking yeah. all day long. Um, I think the, uh, the iPods and using technology is great for students because it allows them to do their own research into a topic instead of just going by the generic textbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. There's positives that's true. for both, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, as you said at the outset there, um, you're actively seeking employment in um, a secondary school. And I suppose that's no doubt been exceptionally frustrating. Um, and is there any um, thing you feel that could help an individual such as yourself to kind of level the playing field? Or do you feel employers are just a little reticent to hire someone who's blind or vision impaired? Or do you feel that has been a factor at all? Yeah, well, I think, as I was saying, June, um, this is now my fourth year applying for skills. And um, I've applied for dozens over the last three years. And not even an interview. Um, so I remember then questioning, I think after the second year of nothing happening, I kind of questioned, is it, you know, to do with my eyesight? So it could just be that employers in general, um, you know, need to be a lot more aware of yeah. people with disabilities that, you know, they shouldn't just see blind or they shouldn't see wheelchairs or whatever the disability is. They should be seeing what I offer. Not They shouldn't be seeing my disability. They should be seeing my abilities more. And I True. think just spreading awareness and I suppose employee training, which I know NCBI, AHEAD, all these organisations are by all means doing. But we need to really heighten it big time because I don't know what the statistic was. I think it's something like, is it 24%? I could be completely wrong, so do not... <laughs> quote me on this something like 24 percent of um blind vision impaired people at the moment are working um, yeah you're dead right people that could be working yeah exactly exactly and that's because we first of all we don't have the supports there we don't have the services there and then just the awareness is not there and um, employers can easily see on a cv if i mention ncbi or Oh, I'm um say for instance teaching, I'd always mention that um I promote diversity and equality, which a lot of secondary yeah. schools and primary schools are doing at the moment, because I personally myself am vision impaired and notice them challenges. They're then seeing vision impaired, potentially seeing vision impaired, and scratching that off, you know, without giving me a chance to show them how awesome what I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as you say, what, what skills you can offer and what um, inclusiveness you can bring to the uh, the classroom. Um, and I suppose even by um, having individuals who 
are blind or vision impaired as teachers, it just helps the next generation debunk some perceptions they may have. And um, it's just, I, I'm just conscious I was chatting to other people, um, like an individual who's vision impaired and a very successful chef. Um, and mm. again, his employer would have been a bit hesitant, kind of thinking, oh, don't know if we can have a chef who's vision impaired. Um, but purely through, uh, similar to yourself, absolute perseverance got there in the end. Um, with an employer who was able to see potential and um, see the benefit of it. Yeah, yeah. Because even like for myself, like there's perseverance and then there's, you know, you can you can really um, do as, uh, what you think you're doing as much as you can. Um, and then you just get, you know, as I said here, you just keep on hitting brick walls, you know, and that can be very deflating. So it is great to have perseverance and keep on plodding on, but how much should you have to plod on before? Yeah. You know, your confidence doesn't completely be... Hit rock bottom, yeah. Yeah, rock bottom, exactly. I felt that a few times. I haven't hit rock bottom, but because I'm that kind of person that I will get down and a bit frustrated and I'll take 10 minutes and then I just say, right, get on and do something else, you know, for a little while and take breaks. But, you know... There is the idea of perseverance and everyone everyone should have perseverance in general and um, when if they really want something they should go and get it you know but i think just we need to be opening them doors a lot wider than they are you know and you know when you're sending in for instance obviously cvs and applications that's just a piece of paper at the end of the day they're not really seeing who you are they're judging you on what you've written down um, and yeah. And I remember when I when I when I thought about the maybe the blind thing being somewhat against me, I put up a video. I was doing um, a promotion for Manute University for the access program, and actually a photographer came in and was taking videos of me teaching in my one of my first girls that I was doing my experience in. So I attached that. Yes. Um, think to the thing, thinking, oh my God, maybe if they go in and see that, they'll physically see me teaching. But that hasn't obviously um, worked very well. Um, yeah, so I just think the, the most important thing for anybody is just awareness and understanding, you know, and giving us a freaking chance, you know. If this, um, if the woman, um, Jan, sorry, Jan, uh, for saying your name, um, she was the head of the geography department in Maynooth. She said to me, she was probably worried, like, crap, do you know what I mean, that a blind girl's going to be learning geography, you know, it's a very visual subject. True. And all she said to me was, if you work with us, we'll work with you. And if they would just give us just a chance, do you know what I mean, to show that we can do it, you know? I suppose it, that's a very motivating sentiment. If you work with us, we can work with you. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 exceptionally inclusive. And I suppose it's that drive for inclusivity that has um, encouraged you to be our facilitator of our East Local Advocacy Network. So I hope yeah. listeners are um, aware that, thankfully, uh, due to Claire's involvement and, and others, um, our network of local advocacy networks scattered across the country is expanding into the East region. And the first one of meeting of that is on the 25th of April. Uh, details are on the NCBI website. But um, is it true to say, Claire, that that is what's motivated you to get involved in our local advocacy network? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember years ago when I started in the train centre in NCBI and I'd never met a blind person or a vision paired person before. And the minute I went in, oh my God, it was brilliant getting tips and tricks off other people, talking about issues and whatnot, local issues. And now what they've done is for the last while, they've set up these advocacy meetings um, on Microsoft Teams that are held once a month. And you go on in your group and discuss local issues like traffic lights, um, buses, Irish Rail, you know, anything, anything at all, bins, anything at all that's um, in your own local community that's frustrating you as a blind and vision fair person. Um, you know, we go on to the meetings, we discuss and we make an action out of it. We want to make sure that we campaign about it and we get things sorted. So I really highly, highly recommend for anyone to join um, an advocacy group. And um, as you said, June, they're all over this. They're all over Ireland. So you just get on to the advocacy at NCBI and um, sort you out. I'm the facilitator for the East LAN um, and that is for Dublin, Kildare. No, Dublin, Kildare and Wicklow. Yes. Um, and the first meeting of that will be the 25th of April. And it's just going to be an introduction meeting where we all get to know each other and set our kind of agenda and issues for the following um, meeting. So I'd highly recommend it for anyone. Yeah. And it, I mean, as you rightly say, Claire, it's an opportunity to discuss what is frustrating at a local level and see how individuals can come together and put a spotlight on that local issue to get it fixed. Um, and I, I feel. Um, there's nothing more important than in empowering people who are blind or vision impaired to lend their own voice to local issues. Uh, it, it's just so much more powerful than like NCBI as a, as a corporate body. Um, it, it's just so important that individuals um, it can champion local issues. Naturally, the advocacy team here in NCBI are, are more than uh, available to, to support and encourage and um, offer uh, any upskilling or training required uh, so that individuals can be um, armed with all the tools they need to make change happen. But I do think it's really important to identify the, the local issues and how you want to change them. Yeah. And I think as well, it will give people confidence as well. You know, if I had a problem, say, uh, one of my local traffic lights, it's not audible. You know, I'd be like, oh, that's such a pity. But then if I go on to this, then I'll see other people have problems. Right, then let's do something about it. You know, you get more of the confidence and support to say, no, you're not wrong in thinking that you need to get that fixed, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's, a, yeah, yeah. Um, so I certainly um, jump onto the NCBI website, all the details of the East LAN are available there. Um, and I, I suppose the, the final question that I, I pose to all my guests are, um, if you'd one piece of advice for someone who's recently been diagnosed with a sight loss condition, what would that be? easy don't give up like don't give up first of all um you still have your life you know by all means ahead of you um definitely do not um what well, sorry i'm after confused what i'm trying to say you don't feel ashamed or whatever about going and getting help Um, ncbi is absolutely brilliant Um, get on to them get on to your community resource worker anyone get on to me do you know i'm on facebook whatever Get onto someone that also has lost their eyesight because for me, 
that was what made me more confident in myself was talking to other blind vision impaired people. And um, I remember for the first year of losing my eyesight, oh God, everyone treated me differently because they were trying to understand. And then the minute I got into NCBI, the training centre there, I met other blind vision impaired people. It was just like a weight left off my shoulder. So I'd highly, highly, two advices would be don't stop dreaming. Even though it's taken me nearly three years to get a job, I'm still, you know, dreaming away. Um, and definitely, you know, get in contact with other blind or vision impaired people that will give you some kind of um, support, definitely. Very practical and heartfelt advice there, Claire. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose if anybody is interested in availing of our services or... Um, reaching out to other people who are blind or vision impaired to, to know that they're not alone and to to know to share yeah. their their joys and concerns and fears and uh, realities. Um, anyone can access our services through the website, which is ncbi.ie, or alternatively call the helpline, which is um, 1-800-911-250. But for now, Claire, I would just like to say thank you very much for your time. Uh, I wish you all the success in as being facilitator in the East LAN. Thank you for your involvement and best of luck with the recruitment. I really sincerely hope um, you get uh, into school in September because those students will certainly benefit from your enthusiasm as their teacher. Cheers, Jane. Thanks so much now again for having me on. No problems. Mm-hmm.